following podcast is sponsored in part by the Blue Ridge Institute for Theological Education and Birmingham Theological Seminary. For more information about these institutions, please visit their websites at bright-va.org. That's B-R-I-T-E-V-A.org or bts.education. And now, here is Larger for Life, a podcast on the Westminster Larger Catechism. Well, welcome back, friends, to the Larger for Life podcast. Uh, Normally, we're journeying through um, different questions uh, in sequence of the Westminster Larger Catechism. But today, for this episode, we have a very special treat for you guys, because we're not going to talk about the Larger Catechism. We're actually going to talk about the Shorter Catechism. And we have with us two dear friends from the OPC, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Uh, We have... Reverend Jonathan Cruz and Reverend Andrew Miller with us because they have just uh, published a great 52-week devotional with Reformation Heritage Publications uh, that walks you through uh, the shorter catechism. Uh, And so we wanted to bring them on uh, to talk about this uh, new work that they have just produced and uh, to highlight for our listeners, the Shorter Catechism that, of course, was part of those documents produced by the Westminster Divines. And so uh, I'm going to start with Andrew because I know Jonathan better than Andrew. Um, and so I don't really care to hear his biographical sketch he's going to give here in just a minute. Uh, but Andrew, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, as many of our listeners probably aren't very familiar with you? Yeah, well, I uh, am a new uh, Pennsylvania resident. Uh, We just moved up to central Pennsylvania, Chambersburg, and I'm now serving in a new role as a regional home missionary for the OPC in in central PA. So uh, coordinating church planting in the presbytery. So I don't have one church that I uh, serve and care for, but I'm going to help them uh, with uh, the church plant that they have and and hopefully start some new uh, church plants. Uh, RHM is kind of like the pre-church planter, church planter. Um, and uh, before that, I was uh, pastored in Fredericksburg, Virginia at Bethel OPC for about 11 years. And uh, and then going back before that, I went to Westminster Seminary, California, where Jonathan also went, and uh, Grove City College. So yeah. That uh, glorious uh education in our past. Um, and I'm married to Rebecca. We have five little kids, ages 10 through one. So we're pretty busy, but glad to be on here and uh, uh, glad to have this book out. Andrew, I appreciate you some, that, Andrew. Some current or current education also, too. Yep, I'm working on a PhD as well. Um, so hopefully we can get that done in a couple years. Very good. Where are you doing your PhD from, Andrew? It's called Highlands Theological College, uh, associated with University of the Highlands and Islands. Very good. Spin aspires to be PhD, but we keep telling him that, uh, you know, he's just not cut from that cloth. But nonetheless. But um, but he does have his driver's license now, so he potentially can get one. I'm just going to go on record and say that Grove City and Geneva College are the same place. Prove me wrong. I kind of agree with that, Spin. Did you go to Geneva? No, but every grad of Geneva and of Grove City College are the same person. So, I mean, if we trace this all the way back, 
it's it's pretty obvious that this is just what you know, it's like a two camp eye, you know. Um, what is college. Geneva College? You're just making up words now. There's what is there's no such thing. I don't even know what you're talking about. Matt, introduce more- our next guest. Um, our, our our next guest is a dear friend of mine. We're uh, doing doctoral program uh, together at RTS Charlotte, uh, Jonathan Landry Cruz. And I could probably give a biographical sketch, but I'm going to let him do it because he's a little bit more proper and less funny and good looking than I am. Yes, that a number of those statements were true. Not all of them, but a number of them. Uh, Jonathan Cruz. So I, I minister in Kalamazoo, Michigan uh, in the OPC. Seven years I've been here and as Andrew mentioned, I graduated from Westminster. We didn't overlap or anything, but uh, we have that uh, institution kind of as a common uh, background and shared love for, for that school. Um, yeah, uh, married to my beautiful, lovely, talented wife, Carrie Ann, who I stole from the PCA. And I, I also stole from the mission field, I should say. She was about to leave for the mission field and I was about to leave for seminary and we met and it's okay. If we're going to do this, let's get married, but somebody's going, somebody's not going to seminary. Somebody's not going to the mission field. So um, she got a different calling and, and came with me to seminary, which was great. That uh, worked out for me. And um, uh, we have three kids now, Jacob, Evangeline and Caleb. Caleb is just eight months old. So we are also busy at home. Is there is there more Matt that I left out of the the autobiographical sketch that I should have mentioned? Well, you know, the the top of your resume is uh, you know dear friends with Matthew D. Adams, uh, mm-hmm. pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Dillon, South Carolina, the Metro. Today we're calling ourselves the Windy City. Uh, there's like crazy wind gusts going on right now, and um, you know Chicago wishes they were us. But anyway, Matt, um, is, that, is that a resume or an indictment? to have that item at the top of a list. Well, you know, well, let the jury's out at this point, but it depends on, it depends on how far it gets Jonathan to jail or, you know, to the top of the OPC, you know? So, um, Jonathan did leave something out and I'm going to plug, uh, some of the, some, before we even get to the shorter catechism book, I'm going to plug the OPC's good work with, the Trinity Psalter hymnal. Okay. Mm. Um, I want to thank our brothers over in that denomination. Um, I know the URCNA uh, worked alongside of them, but uh, this was really spearheaded by the OPC. Um, And Jonathan is a hymn writer as well. And he has a number of hymns uh, in this hymnal. And uh, the saints at First Pres Dillon have officially uh, sang or sung. I'm not very good at my tenses, but they have, they have, uh, Declare them all through song, okay? Uh, and so, um, you know, yeah. If your church isn't using the Trinity Psalter hymnal, talk Get about with the it. Program. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Get with it. the program. Great. So That's anyway, great. I'm gonna well, thank, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, hymn writing is a is a passion of mine too, and so um, I was privileged to be asked to contribute to that. And uh, yeah, if anybody's interested, there's more. Um, I. I put all my hymns for free for churches. They're, they're meant to be used by churches. So you can download them all, the PDFs, the recordings, hymnsofdevotion.com. So there's about 50 hymns on there, I think, at this point. Um, Jonathan, so can I write a course or two uh, to your hymns, change up the tune just a little bit? 
right? Some you mean refrain, like, you, you mean like courses. edify it or something? Just like take it, yeah. like a classic hymn, and then have five people write the chorus and then make millions of dollars off of it. And actually, just you know, if it's four verses, we'll only sing one or two and sing the refrain like eighty uh, times. Uh, yeah, sure. As long as I get some of the royalties. Okay, thank you. That's perfect. Um, I'll make sure to share. Uh, but anyway, uh, as we've introduced our, our guest, uh, we are joined here by some of the larger for life dudes, uh, Sean Morris in the Knoxville, Tennessee area, uh, Stephen spinning Weber, uh, hailing from my jokes, probably getting old at this point, but DeSantis land, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I'm going to stick with that. Um, and so I'm going to turn it over to Sean to, to kick us off here. Uh, talking about this this great work, uh, this devotion through the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and Jonathan and Andrew are going to help us uh, learn all about this resource and and why we need uh, this resource as well. Well, Matt, I'm glad to be here this morning. With uh, you know, we're, we're a podcast on the larger catechism, and we're talking about a resource on the shorter catechism, kind of the little brother to the larger catechism, which is fitting because the OPC is kind of the awkward little brother to the PCA. Even though, strangely, the OPC is the older brother, it's still the awkward little brother, so good figure. And mm. I thought, so I've got my cargo shorts and my jean jorts on, double layer this morning, and I'm ready for it. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm sure we upset all kinds of people by saying that. There's nothing but nothing but brotherly love here, just good, good old-fashioned, good-natured ribbing. But, fellas, this is a 52-week devotional, 52 weeks of the year, where you walk us through the the themes and the theology and the catechism questions of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And for listeners who may not be aware of it, it's published by Reformation Heritage Books, 52 Devotions Through the Westminster Shorter Catechism. The title is Glorifying and Enjoying God. Obviously, that language from uh, the, the famous question and answer number one, uh, man's chief end is to glorify and enjoy God forever. And if you go to the RHB website, you can actually, there's a link there, I'm looking at it right now, where you can read uh, the first five chapters for free. Just click it, and it's available on a P- as a PDF, and so you can scroll through that and get a sense of what the book is like uh, in giving those uh, devotionals. But, fellas, why don't you talk us through just a little bit of the the history, I suppose, not of the catechism, but of this project. What was the impetus behind this project? What what stirred your excitement? What what led to the production of uh, this this fifty two week devotional book as it's now as we now have it? Yeah, so um, I was approached by the silent co-author. There's a third author on this, <laughs> Bill Bokestein, uh, who is a, a minister in town here with me in Kalamazoo. He pastors one of our United Reformed churches. Um, Kalamazoo's Dutch country, so I have to say one of our United Reformed churches. There's a few. And uh, he, he had this idea of um, a devotional, a year-long devotional that would put the catechism, as he would say, the way it should be, which is in 52 Lord's Days, much like the Heidelberg. And uh, it was a great idea. It's his idea, and he's the one who who mapped it out. And it's, as you guys will look, and as readers will look through just even the table of contents, it's, it's quite remarkable how well you can uh, work through the catechism in a year in chunks that make sense. Um, so, so we keep each chapter to a, th- you know, uh, thematically and uh, and to to put it in the fifty two Lord's days was also to help churches. You know, um, they could use it as a Sunday school curriculum. Could help families to to do something maybe on Saturday nights or Sunday afternoons, uh, just uh, one chapter a week, get through the catechism. So so 
Bill Bokestein uh, approached me and asked if I'd be interested in contributing and we would split the devotionals. Uh, um, they're, that would each be, they're each like two pages, I guess, three pages. And I thought, that's a lot of words. So um, I'll do it if I can bring my buddy on. So that's when I reached out to Andrew and uh, roped him into this project. And yeah, then Andrew, you want to take it from there, kind of how we, how we put it together at that point? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say this is the next partnership after the Trinity Psalter Hymnal of the OPC and the URCNA, because we're partnering together here. Um, but yeah, we divided up the, uh, chapters and wrote different sections. So it's divided up roughly a third. We each wrote a third and, um, you Except know, you really... wrote a little more because I gave you the one I, I remember we reached the deadline and I said, I just can't figure out anything to say about this. And I gave, I said, Andrew, write this chapter. Uh, and I you also know, remember it's on the fifth commandment. So apparently I don't know how to honor my father and my mother, but. Uh, you know, uh, it's the Westminster cow stuff. background. <laughs> That's right. Um, so yeah, it was a joy to work on this project and I was pretty pleased with how, uh, it all came together. And so, uh, you know, since it's come out, people are asking, which chapter did you write? You know, it's hard to tell. Um, and I think that's, that's a good thing because I think there's a, a general continuity in the chapters. Mm -hmm. They all sound, uh, similar enough, even though we each have our own voices and, you know, that we we went over this uh, and, and edited over and over again. So you can kind of sense different uh, voices and styles. But I think at the end, uh, we came up with one product that that fits together. And it's really a, a book that's meant to teach doctrine, uh, but at the same time to stir the heart and show people, lead people to doxology, to praise the Lord. <laughs> and that's why it's a, it's a devotional, not just... Um, a commentary on the shorter catechism of which there's many um but it's it's meant to be something short that you can use in family devotion and in fact our family's been been doing that uh, after dinner we've been reading a little portion and and uh using that to then guide our discussion so we'll read a little bit and then i'll ask my kids questions about it and try to get them to understand that paragraph that we just read now, in some of these opening chapters, you know, you take one question, like, you know, the opening question answer number one, make a whole chapter out of that. The subsequent mm -hmm. chapter, you take two questions and make a chapter out of that. Uh, do you, as you're going through the book, our readers, should they expect a chapter per question? Surely not. Are there, are there some chapters with multiple questions covered in one devotional chapter? What, what's that look like? Well, there are 107 questions, Sean. There are 52 chapters. So the math there, you recognize we couldn't just do one per chapter. You're with me on that so far. Hence the I, surely not. I was yeah, told surely, okay. there would be no math. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it works out to be about about two questions per chapter. Um, but like I said, uh, they're not they're not put together haphazardly or just to squeeze it in so that we could get it all done in 52 chapters. Um, the you know questions on. Um, you know, sin and its effects are taken together in one chapter. Um, and uh, questions about uh, uh, questions about the, the scriptures are, are taken together. So that's that would be chapter two, questions two and three, so forth. And then um, for the Ten Commandments, those that, you know, in the catechism, it's what is the, what is the commandment? What does it call us to? What does it forbid? Those are all each of those are taken as their own devotional. So in each 
week as you get there you're taking one um of the the commandments in the decalogue each week yeah and and they're in order too so we don't skip around even though sin you know is addressed in different ways in different places mm -hmm. but it it goes from you know question one all the way to 107 in order but like jonathan's pointing out there's some chapters that have more questions so for example chapter 30 on the fifth commandment that covers four shorter catechism questions but then mm -hmm there's only three shorter catechism questions, for example, on the seventh commandment. So we grouped those together with, so it's one chapter on one commandment. We're following the logic of the catechism. It's, these guys knew what they were doing as they put together, which, you know, we of course knew that, but I think we appreciated it in a whole new way as we kind of systematically worked through it. That's great. Of the chapters that you wrote, Andrew and Jonathan, what were your favorite chapters? I know, you know, you don't want to give away and you're like, oh, which which parts did you write? And, you know, maybe we're going to spill the tea just a little bit here. But with every writing project, there are parts where, you know, man, we really struggled. And so maybe we offloaded them to Andrew. Uh, and then there are other ones, that, you know, just flew off, um, flew from our fingers onto the keyboard and it was just natural. So what was the most devotional for you uh, personally uh, chapter that you wrote in the book? It's a good question. You know, uh, there's, it was such a, a great process for me devotionally, just, you know, when you're having to explain things to others, that's where it really comes together for you uh, often. And so they were all a, a joy to, to write. A couple stick out to me. I mean, I, I loved writing the chapter on adoption um, and I loved writing the chapter on, on creation um, you know, and, and one of the things that I try to do was saturate it with scripture. And so, you know, starting out the chapter on creation, it's, I'm pointing out, you know, it's practical when, uh, Job is complaining, um, about what's happened to him. What does God do? He says, were you there when I made everything, you know? And, um, when Isaiah is writing against idols, um, he's pointing out God is the, the pot, the, the potter and you are the clay. And, um, you know, creation just comes up again and again in scripture as this you know, important doctrine. So that one was one that I really enjoyed uh, working on, but they were all really uh, a pleasure to write. Yeah. And, and then we got to edit each other's chapters too. So we have, there's a little bit of each of us in each chapter. Um, I, I really enjoyed the one that came to mind as soon as you mentioned that, Stephen, is uh, uh, chapter 17, which is questions 29 and 30. How are we made partakers of the redemption purchased by Christ? We are, is it okay if I read the shorter catechism on here? That's okay. It's not the larger, but I can read it too, right? We'll, it's not we'll, It's not copyrighted by RHB, as far as we know. Is yeah, that okay, correct? Very good. Yeah, I think so. I think it's public domain. We are made partakers of the redemption purchased by Christ by the effectual application of it to us by his Holy Spirit. And that leads right into question 30. How does the Spirit apply to us the redemption purchased by Christ? The Spirit applies to us the redemption purchased by Christ by working faith in us and thereby uniting us to Christ in our effectual calling. Um, the the opportunity to write on union with Christ is one of my is one of my favorite things, and so um, that that chapter. I, I mean, yeah, I can distinctly remember writing that chapter and being so um, enthralled by the doctrine and and getting to share it. Um, this idea that. Christ and his work isn't um, something that is is far off for us. It's not something we um, kind of go to 
admire or look at, like we might um, a, a beautiful painting in a museum, it comes to us. We're, we're united to, to Christ. Um, he is in us. We are in him. So yeah, anything, anytime I got to write on that was a joy. In fact, the way we split up the chapters was sort of like a, um, you know, like the NFL draft <laughs> where we were, <laughs> we're picking our favorites. So, so I wrote that chapter and also the chapter on saving faith and chapter on justification, all, all which kind of overlap in, in terms of um, finding their, um, uh, finding a, a common point from union with Christ. So um yeah, I to, to get to show that the catechism is is so devotional in that way was a joy. You know, one of the things uh Andrew and Jonathan that we that we started uh at the very, you know, at the very beginning of this podcast journey is trying to help our listeners understand the importance of uh catechetical training. Um yeah. the the logical sequence of catechetical training, the the adoration and the worship that flows from catechetical training, um, you know, of course, um, maybe not as much in the OPC, but in the PCA world, uh, catechetical training has become something of, of, you know, a piece of our history rather than uh, a common practice in, in many of our churches. And so do y'all have any thoughts on just why we should be studying the catechisms? What's, you know, what's the value, um, yeah. What's what's the benefits of it? Things like that. I think we've we've given a lot of thought to that, especially even after the book has been completed. <laughs> um, in discussions like this. Uh Andrew, do you want to kind of start and I could follow up if there's anything that I feel like you didn't touch? But you I know you yeah, have a lot I mean, of really, really good things to say on that. You you've talked about indoctrination and how that that can yeah. be a good thing, right? If it's inviting you into doctrine. But one of the things that we've thought about with this project is how it leads us into the scriptures and how catechisms they're always meant to be a guide to reading scripture and understanding scripture derived from scripture and so uh you know some theologians scholars talk about this dance between um exegesis of the biblical text and our doctrinal formulations and how um you know we we draw out from the text meaning and so we formulate these doctrines um and then we go back to the text and we read the text and, and sometimes that means recorrecting um, false doctrine and so forth. But, um, you know, you see this in the beginning of uh, Calvin's Institutes in one of his um, uh, prefaces. He's saying, I'm hoping to give you a guide to then read scripture. And so I think one reason we need to recapture catechesis is to help us understand scripture. Um, and I think um, with our book, it's also making sure that it's not just this rote memorization that that people don't understand. You know, we want our kids not to be just whitewashed tombs uh, who can say the, the right things, but we want them to understand why they're important and what they mean for us and how they're practical for life. Um, but they also need to have that rote memorization too, um, because, I mean, it served us so well uh, to, to memorize the catechism. And you hear uh, pastors giving uh, ordination exams and licensure exams, uh, guys coming up in the pastorate, and uh, they're, they're able to uh, spout off, you know, what is justification and, and what is sanctification and so helpful. Um, but then you also have to understand what that means and where it's derived from in scripture. So, um, you know, what a great thing for our kids to know there's meaning in life, right? What is mm -hmm. the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy him forever? I mean, that's a powerful thing that we need to recapture. 
Andrew, you've also said before um, uh, that we we don't. It's not about our kids loving the catechism. That's not the goal. It's about our kids loving the God of the catechism. And I think um, when when properly understood, that's what a catechism will do anyway. But our book's just trying to draw that out, right? This is mm. this is all pointing us to to um, uh, to a personal God whom we can know. I, another reason I think catechetical instruction is so important. Um, is you know just kind of the old adage if it ain't broke don't fix it this is the oldest form of instruction known to mankind if you i mean everybody catechizes every single person it, by if by catechism we mean asking questions and expecting certain answers in re response when our when our kids uh, when they're growing up and they want to know something they ask a question we give them an answer and then if we want to see if they know it we flip the equation and we ask them the question and we expect an answer in response so it's sad to see that in the church, catechetical instruction is falling by the wayside. And I don't think that's just in the PCA. I think the OPC is guilty of that too. And I think there's a number of reasons, some, uh, some kind of subtle, maybe not even articulated, maybe others are more explicit in their rejection of catechetical instruction. It's old, it's like brainwashing um, slash indoctrination, like some people said, and, and Andrew's right, I, I say, Hey, if, if indoctrination means getting doctrine in the hearts and minds of our kids, then what are we doing here if it's not that? What's the point of being a pastor or a Christian parent? Um, but to it's sad to see the church kind of throw catechetical instruction out when every human parent, teacher, adult is still going to catechize to, to teach people yeah. things. They're going to ask questions. What do you call it, Andrew? The pre-Socratic method, right? It was Yeah, that's right. <laughs> asking questions before Socrates. So it's the ancient, most ancient form of instruction. We see it in the Bible as well. You see it at Passover. Um, you, I, uh, you see it in, in Joshua chapter uh, four, right? They cross over the Jordan River, they put up the stones, and then the, the whole thing is, so when your kids ask you, what are these stones about? You have an answer to tell them, this God is our God. He's been with us. He's been for us. Wouldn't that be great if our our kids knew the questions to ask and then had the right answer to those questions. And um, the shorter catechism is particularly important in that way because it does ask the most important questions. You don't even need to go beyond question one. What are you here for? What's life about? Uh, we, we, don't, we, we, we don't only want our kids asking that. We want our parishioners asking that question. We want the people who are coming into our churches saying, what is life about? And it's a question, think about it, brothers, right? This is what everybody's talking about, identity, you know? Um, uh, what, what am I here for? What's the purpose of life? It's, you know, identity was, was named the word of the year back in like 2015 or 16. It's still been very popular, but it's like, yeah, the divines were on top of that hundreds of years ago. The very first question is an identity question. So, um, catechetical instruction, particularly in the shorter catechism is so crucial because, um, it's getting at the most important questions in life. I love the way that the book does not uh, discount the importance of taking in these these cardinal doctrines, right? These these uh, tenets of the Christian faith. But what I love so much about your book is that you're modeling for the reader and for me as a parent, and what I wanted to see for my kids is that you've taken in these doctrines, and then you're sort of uh, expirating. You're you're sort of breathing out these devotional thoughts, and that's the whole point, right? Doctrine gets in us; that devotion might come out of us. And I think this book is demonstrating that doctrine is practical and it is useful for uh, 
you know, Christian experience and for greater conformity to the Lord Jesus. And so for our listeners, I mean, I've already used the book. I read the first chapter, which was particularly good. I don't think it was written by either of the two uh, who are on the pod today. Um, you know, that, that, that Bill Bookenstein, we really need to give, you know, him, he can, you know what, we should do a separate is it because episode. Is it because it's particularly good? You don't think it's written by us? Uh, I, Correct. I didn't that, say that. That was, the implication there. Uh, that was my understanding of the comment. Yes. And you know what we need to do is we need to have Bill on here so he can have his own pod interview with us and say whatever he wants about YouTube. But I've already used it because I don't know if y'all saw this a couple days ago, but Matt Morrison, he is a ruling elder, I believe, in the PCA. His eldest son memorized the entire larger catechism. It's wow. incredible. And I asked him, I, I messaged him, I said, how did you do this? And he said, aside from his son just being a really good monotasker and um, just a, a really godly young man, um, they had this habit of doing coffee and catechism on Lord's Day afternoons. Mm. And um, even his daughter, I think she's memorized the entire children's catechism. Uh, and, and how they did that, where they said 30 to 45 minutes of dad has coffee, the kids have hot chocolate, and they go through the catechism questions and then they expand on them like you all did in the book. Mm. And already this past Lord's Day, or maybe it might have been Saturday night, I read that first chapter with my six-year-old and kind of explained to him, hey, buddy, when we memorize the catechism, this is what comes, up, comes from that, yeah. right? The, these great thoughts that stir your heart and your affections and lift your mind to Christ. So... Yeah. Hats off to you guys. Uh, it's already doing its good work. I'm thankful you wrote it. Thank you. Yeah, and it makes Thanks me God. think of, of that um, that quote from B.B. Um, Warfield, right, who talks about it's it's a good thing to be a shorter catechism boy because they grow mm. up to be uh, shorter catechism men, but more importantly, men of God. Mm. So getting, yeah, getting this truth, which accords to godliness into our children at a young age or into um, adults at a at a early stage in their Christian walk, right? Um is so important because it doesn't leave you. Well, guys, this has been a fantastic interview, and we hope that it has alerted some of our listeners to a resource that is recently published, a resource perhaps they're not aware of. And indeed, we actually have a copy uh, of this book to give away. So Glorifying and Enjoying God, 52 Devotions Through the Westminster Shorter Catechism by William Bokstein, Jonathan Cruz, and Andrew Miller, published by Reformation Heritage Books just a little bit earlier this year. Uh, it's a great gift for this time of year if you're into gift giving or birthday gifts or any kind of gifts. But there's a chance for y'all to win a copy. We have a copy to give away. So after you listen to this podcast interview, if you'd be so kind as to like or share or repost or retweet or whatever the lingo is in the next five minutes on social media, and we will enter your name into a drawing to win a copy of this devotional book through Glorifying and enjoying God through the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And if you don't win a copy, well, repent for not winning, but go ahead and get a copy anyway. And if you already do have a copy, get another one and give it away to a friend, because it's a fantastic resource. Can you re-X? You know, we, you said retweet. Is one re-X now? Is... You, you re-zeet. So re they say repost, but it was originally, I believe, that uh, a good Elon was saying that they were going to be zeets. Okay, so we'll reseat, and that's your chance to win is by reseating. Yes, although I, I can only speak for myself, but it will always be Twitter in my heart, so it'll always be tweet and retweet. 
it you I have the receipts. Get it? <laughs> Sometimes you just can't modernize the language, you know? You gotta stick with the old archaic stuff. Okay, now it sounds like you're hinting about maybe even confessions and catechisms and how they're adopted as standards within a church, Andrew, but we won't get into that. You know, brothers, it's very kind of you to have us on. It took three people to write a book on the shorter catechism. I think it might take five to write one on the larger, so I look forward to seeing that one in the future. <laughs> what a coinky-dink. We have five. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> well, folks, on behalf of Matt and Spin, we're so thankful to Jonathan and Andrew for joining us here this morning, and uh, we hope that if you aren't aware, you're a little bit more aware now of this wonderful resource, and we encourage you to take up and read Tole Lege. And so for all of us here at Larger for Life, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Cheers, and God bless. You have been listening to Larger for Life, a podcast on the Westminster Larger Catechism, brought to you by the Blue Ridge Institute and Birmingham Theological Seminary. For more information about this podcast, please visit our website on Podbean at largerforlife.podbean.com, where you can subscribe to the show in the podcast platform of your choice and browse past episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter or Facebook. On Twitter, you can follow us at Larger for Life Podcast, and on Facebook, you can follow us at facebook.com slash largerforlife. Be sure to tune in next time and join us again at Larger for Life. Larger for Life.